This podcast is sponsored by Global Shop Solutions ERP software. Simplify your manufacturing and schedule a demo by visiting globalshopsolutions.com. Everybody, and welcome back to the Upside Swing CBA Draft Podcast, the podcast of the highest ceiling. I'm Rose Bryce Hendricks, joined as always by the wonderful Cooper Klein and the forever pissed off Stone Hansen. Um, and we are here to talk about some G League Ignite guys. Uh, we went through, uh, I think most of us watched every single G League Ignite game, or at least most of them. Um, and uh, we have some takes on these guys. But before we get too deep into it, uh, Coop Stone, my friends, how you doing? Uh, I was doing excellent until I just saw that Mac McClung is now a Laker. Um, so that uh, sort of put a damper on things. But, you know, other than that, I'm really excited for this podcast. Um, I enjoyed, I thoroughly enjoyed watching this probably more than any other deep dive we've done because the level of competition for Ignite is just more fun to watch to me. So uh, this was a lot of fun and I'm hoping to, you know, uh, give hopefully some good takes on these guys. <laughs> See, Stone, I would actually disagree. I don't know what's worse, Big Ten basketball or Salt Lake City G League Ignite uh, games. That that was a was just some pretty awful games to watch. Uh, but I'm doing great. Happy to talk some Ignite with y'all. Uh, you know, I really liked some of these prospects. I came away higher on some of them than I thought, came away lower on some of them than I thought. Uh, and I'm really excited to get into this one with y'all. Yeah, uh, I think that's the general just I got with uh, the G League night is it's just higher on some of these guys than I thought I'd be lower on some than I thought I'd be generally much, much worse than last year. I mean, last year had two guys I had in my top five. I know a lot of draft Twitter is lower on Kaminga. I remained high on him. Um, and, uh, you know, Isaiah Todd, I thought was a solid second round bet. Dyson Nix, of course, went undrafted, but I think has a chance um this class just i, I i'm much less into the shooting night team outside of scoot henderson and of course my boy who we'll talk about later um but it's still it was still a good watching experience i always love watching the g league shout out to dakota schmidt for all the work he does covering it he's great he's been on the pod before we love everything he does and um i'm a huge i'm a big g league fan like i just it's some of my favorite basketball to watch if it's the right team. Some G League teams are a mess. Salt Lake City Stars this year, not fun to watch. Um, Real Grande Vipers, absolute blast uh, because of one man, one one myth, one legend. Um, but we should probably just get into the G League United. It's late enough. We're going to be here forever if we if we take too long. Uh, so let's start with Jaden Hardy. Um, Jaden Hardy was seen by some as a top three player in this class coming into the year. Uh, I think all three of us were not on that bandwagon. I had him not even in my top 45 coming into this season. Um, But a lot of people were very, very high on him. Uh, He can really shoot, or at least that's sort of the sell. Um, And then everything sort of came off of that. A lot of people saw him in that mold of athletic two-guard type. Um, I think the easiest place to start with Hardy is just sort of what the on-ball scoring is. I think he's probably only about like 6'2", 6'3", maybe. He's not like Jalen Green, where he's like a legit 6'5". Um, I think that the shooting is somewhat as advertised and somewhat not as advertised. Um, focusing purely on his on-ball scoring right now. I think his off-the-dribble shooting is pretty solid. It's not great, especially pull-ups. His pull-ups aren't great. 
his step backs look really good and he's most comfortable stepping back into a shot as weird as that sounds his pull-ups are iffy i think he really struggles with sort of forward momentum as he's getting into that jumper um the craft i think has its moments uh but i don't love it and then the burst is really hit or miss he can't get in the lane sometimes he's not like a complete non-rim pressure guard at all but i don't think he gets there with consistency so i'm just going to throw it up to you guys uh coop i'll throw this to you first what are your thoughts on Jaden hardy as sort of an on-ball scoring package so the on-ball scoring with hardy is a lot about the flashes um it's not about consistency it's not about efficiency uh it's about the flashes of really good that he has balanced with the flashes of really really bad that he has um like you're talking about the step back looks really nice uh goes in at a solid clip um not like a great clip the pull-ups are nasty um i wouldn't call his touch good it's really weird because uh like, like I said, it's super come and go. There's flashes of really nice touch where you can give it a little bit of English off the backboard. And then there's times where he just runs into the lane and flings something up and it looks really gross. Um, I will say it's really improved. Like the flashes have gotten a lot better, a lot more consistent as the year has gone on. Uh, you've seen real improvement. Um, and he has really good range. Uh, he can get into the mid range and step back and he can also do it from three and he can do it from NBA range, um, even sometimes a little bit behind NBA range. Uh, just really impressive stuff whenever he's like comfortable. Uh, like I said, he's not always comfortable, but, uh, you know, getting into the, his getting into the lane is really impressive. He's able to leverage and use one move. And when the burst is nice, it's really nice. And he cuts right into the lane uh, and can get to the rim pretty well, especially against teams that don't have a real big. Uh, and that's a lot of the, the G League, um, because most of the solid defensive bigs are actually in the NBA, because that's one of the most valuable NBA skills, and guys that can do that at an anywhere near NBA level are probably NBA players. Uh, so I think that made his, you know, that's made a lot of guys like it happened to Jalen Green when he came to the NBA it was a really rude awakening, uh, playing against like actual. Uh, NBA level rim protectors. And I think the same will happen to Jaden Hardy, but it was really nice when the flashes were there. Um, I do just wish that it was more consistent. Uh, Stone, what did you have to say about his on ball scoring? Um, I'm, I definitely came away higher on Hardy as a whole. And I think a lot of it had to do with what I saw from his on ball. Um, <clears throat> I thought that, that uh, I agree with Bryce that he's definitely more comfortable in step backs. But I do think that he can set up his shot fairly quickly. And when he gets set, he's pretty much money, like from from a shooting standpoint, from beyond the arc. Um, I think that the, the inconsistency with his rim pressure has more to do with the angles that he comes at than the burst, I think. Um, I think he sometimes chooses weird sort of funky angles that gives the defense time to set up and, and sort of wall him off. And then there's other times where he is quick enough to exploit what is open and just get to the rim before the defense has a chance to, to move over. Um, so I think that's 
uh, at least in some way uh, representative of, of the inconsistency that he has. Um, <clears throat> I think uh, he, I, I would like to see, I think a little bit more mid-range with him. I'd like to see more floaters um, sort of work that in-between game with him. I think a lot of it right now uh, is sort of more contested twos that are pull-ups. I'd like to see him get into lane a little bit more and, and show off a little bit more touch um, but with floaters or, or things like that on a more frequent basis. But I think overall, um, I was fairly satisfied with what I saw for Jaden Hardy. And I think that a lot of what he does is translatable. I just question how much is within him that he, he can add to his game once he gets to the NBA. I had a I had a a, a kind of interesting time following the Hardy sort of discourse coming into the year and keeping that in the back of my mind watching him. I had seen a lot of Hardy in high school, right? Like this was not my first exposure to Jaden Hardy by any means. Um, I kind of knew what he was in high school. He took a lot more tough shots than you thought he would have to because he was such a good athlete compared to a lot of the high school competition. Um, I really don't love his explosiveness around the rim. I think that hurts his finishing a lot. Um, I agree with Coop that there's some English there. And I agree with Stone that accessing that English is a lot about the angles he takes. Um, he's not a great pick and roll player. And I think that's because he's not good at being the first guy to break a defense, if that makes sense. Like, he is not an advantage creator. Where he does excel is attacking off of an already sort of tilted floor. Whether that, he's not a good cutter or off-ball mover, but when he does catch, he is decisive enough to rip into drives, take advantage of a defense on its back foot, sort of get by a guy, read where that big is, and position his body to access that that finish generally with his right hand he could finish with his left all right but he likes to get to his right hand even if it's sort of those inside finishes on the left side of the basket um i just i don't know what that's worth at his size so if he's not going to be your primary guy right and and spoiler alert he doesn't provide any defensive value we'll talk about the defense more in depth later but like spoiler alert no defensive value um he he has to reach such high thresholds as sort of this you know close out attacker good decision maker who can score against that tilted floor consistently and i'm with cooper i just i didn't see it consistently and i don't think the flashes were enough for me to like fall in love Right, like he wasn't like the step back jumpers sure did look cool sometimes, but they were not efficient, and they were like no hope of being efficient. Um, and the pull up, like I said, I don't love, and I don't love how he sees himself in the floor. Like there are times he has what should be a shot for someone with his who is his caliber of shooter, and instead he drives, or he has times where someone is so overplaying that jumper that he should just drive, be willing to draw that help and make the kickoff pass. But instead, he wants to get into a move to take a step back jumper. I just, I don't know. I, I, I just don't love, if you can't be an advantage creator, but your main draw is on ball scoring. I just don't love that, that combo. Are you guys sort of with me there? Or, or do you have anything to push back against that? 
My biggest thing, oh, Stone, you want to go? Okay. Um, <laughs> my biggest thing uh, is that he is just not like if he was six six or six seven, uh, and I know that's a big height jump, but if he's you know way bigger doing this kind of stuff, uh, it's a lot harder to defend with NBA level athletes. Even uh, you know if he's a similar level athlete but just bigger, um, I think that you know NBA defend like guard defenders that are six five or even like six four six three are just gonna envelop him without being able to adjust quickly and read and react really quickly. It's just going to be really tough. And especially because the passing isn't super great. There's like almost nothing that's not directly in front of him or super obvious. Uh, there's no creativity with the passing other than like the delivery. Uh, like there's no creativity in what pass he's attempting. Like he'll go up and he'll fake the shot and then do like the little zip. Uh, you can probably hear my, my wrists make a little bit of motion. I, I really did. I really acted that one out. That was impressive. Um, but, um, like he does a lot of funky stuff like that, that is a lot more flair than function, but still ends up working, uh, getting his teammates open passes, but he's not doing like a whole lot of creative advantage making with his passing. It's just a lot of simple ball moving, simple stuff to the roller, uh, that kind of stuff that, you know, isn't like, like you said, he's not creating advantages. He's just capitalizing on that. And even that is kind of inconsistent. And if you're like, if your whole thing is advantage capitalizing, you gotta be able to do it consistently or have a theoretical way to consistently do it in the NBA. And I'm not sure about either of those for Hardy. Yeah, I think, so I think sort of, what I alluded to in the beginning to was making more out of the mid range with him. And I think if he got to the mid range, he'd be able to take more advantage and became a threat from there. Uh, and obviously, you know, this sounds sort of cliche almost, but like if he got into the mid range more and he was able to use the sort of scoring gravity that he has, um, there'd be more of those simple passes to make for him where he can be sort of an advantage creator if, if defenses are respecting him from that sort of area from three-point range I think a lot of teams are just sort of it seemed like they were like expecting him to either pull up or drive like they they know what Hardy's going to do and when he drives it's generally like a simple kick out to three or he's going to try and go to the rim to finish and we can talk about his finishing in a little bit I wasn't overly impressed with it um but I think you know it he needs to I think diversify where he's getting his shots from and it can open up some more playmaking opportunities for him um but yeah he's definitely not like a combo guard I think in some places he's sort of being sold as that he's definitely a score first score second sort of guy and I think in the right context, he can be an advantage in that role. It's just a matter of getting Hardy to sort of buy into that and not seeing himself as a primary scorer, but seeing himself as sort of a cog in the scoring machine. And at the same time, allowing him to play to his strengths while minimizing sort of the deficiencies that he, he has within his game. He's definitely going to be somebody, I think, that, a team has to start off very slowly 
bring him along slowly. Um, he's going to be somebody that has to earn his minutes very incrementally. And I think in time, his strengths will be something that can create advantages for his team. So I think, um, so last week we talked about Jaden, or not Jaden, <laughs> this week we're talking about Jaden Hardy. Last week we talked about Benedict Matherin. Um, and I think there's such a stark contrast between what I actually want from my sort of secondary two guard who's only a two. And I, I mentioned that I have some legitimate big worries about Matherin because he's a two who's only a two and is like six, four and doesn't really play make, but his, like, he is so much better at what that role is than Hardy, I think. And they're not like far apart in age. Uh, because Hardy's like the age of a sophomore, I believe. All right, I think that's good on his offense. Um, I'm going to go really quickly on his defense. If you guys have anything to add, you can. Um, it's not good. Uh, he dies on every screen. He has a really make plays. He, he gets some steals. Like, his hands are actually pretty okay on defense. Um, but a lot of those steals are, are sort of what I call give-up steals, where – you kind of get bailed out because maybe you're guarding someone who's not a great ball handler, but they get by you and you just sort of reach for the steal and he gets it about 30% of the time, you know, but that other 70%, it's, it's a blow by and a two on one for the big to guard. And when that big is Michael Foster, it's pretty much points every time. Um, I just, I, I don't have a ton to say other than he's not going to provide any defensive value. And there's a real chance. He's a, like, he's a hard, hard negative for his whole career. Because he doesn't get over screens. He doesn't make plays. He's not a good help defender. I just, I, I don't really see it at all with Hardy. And I'm not someone who's like really big on guard defense, but I am big on two guard defense. Because if you can't beat the primary ball handler, it's a lot harder for me to buy you if you can't defend. So I, I don't know. That's, that's about my spiel on Hardy's defense. Do you guys have anything to add? Um, just that he, there's there's a lot of clips that made me laugh where it's just like these half-hearted efforts where he sort of half digs into the nail he'll like take one step forward and like put his arm out but he's not really trying he's just sort of there um and it was just sort of funny to watch but yeah he's he makes way too many gambles that are oftentimes not good um like you said maybe 30 percent of the time he gets a steal from those gambles and it looks good and yeah in a highlight but uh a lot of the times more often than not it's creating an advantage for the other team and they're playing five on four um i do think that is something that can be ripped out and if it is it makes him less of a liability i think he is always going to be sort of a negative on that end but if you can at least just like prevent the the poorly timed gambles, that at least helps somewhat. Like consistently gambling and, and just giving the other team an extra advantage on that end um, is sort of a big deal. And if you can rep that out and, and just again sort of change his mindset with that and, and not have him bite sort of on every opportunity that he, he gets, um, I think that makes him a little bit less of a liability on that end. Yeah, I have nothing to bat to add. Uh, just an absolute traffic cone. All right, all right, we're uh, we're good on Hardy. We'll we will wrap him up when we do our rankings of these guys, and you can figure out where we value him uh, as sort of a draftable guy. Let's move on to Dyson Daniels. Um, I know you you guys are a big fan of his. 
I came away more impressed from this tape watching than I was with the idea of Daniels in a vacuum. Still not huge on him. He's just fine to me, but he is 6'6". He's a legit 6'6". Um, his role is that of a connector, right? Like he is a connecting two, I think. Um, and I think that's a fun... Like he is solid. He's not six seven stone. No, he is not. Have you seen him? No, no. I mean, according to reports, he's six eight. So I mean, let's let's oh cut my the, God. let's split the difference here. He is he is six seven. I he's he was he's, he's bigger than Marshawn, right? Like no, Marshawn is well. Marshawn also didn't play the end of the season. So and Dyson apparently had his growth spurt. Okay, let's just. I'm I'm hedging my bets on six seven. I feel like he's really he's six seven. I'm we'll we'll go six seven. You know, I think that the committee here is going to go six seven. <laughs> All right, I don't, I don't think he's six seven. I don't think he's six seven. But anyways, getting back to that connecting role, um, I think he could be really good at it. Um, I think the passing is good, not great. I love his touch on passes. It's always in the right spot. I love the reads he makes. I don't think he's like a super high level processor advantage creating passer, but I think he makes the right read way 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 more than he makes the wrong one and a lot of those reads are really like solidly high level ones even if they're not like like he's not Sharif Cooper out there right but he is like making good reads especially I think his he's really good at seeing cutters and he's good at finding the open shooter so like there were a couple plays where he would catch on the perimeter and there'd be a solid x out to him and maybe the guy who passed it from the top of the key and he'd see the guy in the corner or you know if he was standing at the top of the key and there was someone on the wing and someone in the corner and there was one defender choosing between those two he was almost always quick to choose the right one like i like little things like that he does really well the connective passing in my opinion is is maybe my favorite thing of that he does on offense um the 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 question is how much can he take advantage of that with his shooting and scoring um, I didn't love the shooting. I think he can be all right, but I don't buy him as a high, high level shooter. He took some step backs throughout the year, but I, I don't think those were really something I'd bet on. You know, it's the King and Murray step back. Um, I think that just in general, like where are you guys at with how he can access his connected passing through the shooting? So I'll open it up to you guys. Cause I know you guys are higher. Uh, Stone, I'll throw that to you. Yeah, if you thought I was high on Jeremy Sohan, uh, brace yourselves. Sohan, my bad. There's so many different ways. Um, yeah, Daniels is currently sixth on my board um, with room to even go higher. He, What I love about Daniels is I don't think he's confined to this connecting role. I think he has real equity to be a guy who can be like, a primary ball handler on your team. Um, he, he's so scalable to me. Like he's a guy that if you want him in this connecting role, if you already have your starters in place, Daniels is perfect. If I think he can be a point guard, I didn't, I did not think that coming into this year when they started playing him as a point guard, I was like, why are they doing this? This is a terrible move. This is not going to be what Daniels is good at. He, honestly really impressed me in that role i think he can be a point guard on a team and in good one a good one the shooting definitely is the biggest question right um the passing is um i'll go back to the passing actually really quick because 
to begin the year, he was making a lot of really nice passes, but they were simplistic. They were passes that were not like setting guys up a step or two or two ahead. It was just sort of the the first pass he saw he made, and a lot of times it was the right pass, but they weren't just very complex. I think I've been just really impressed sort of going through the tape over the course of the season and seeing how that's improved. Um, he has really improved sort of seeing what is happening a step ahead of the defense. And it's not consistent. That's um, sort of the thing, but it's become more frequent. And I think that development is really important, um, especially when you consider that he he's still like developing right before our eyes. He's only just going to turn 19 um, or he just turned 19, excuse me, uh, like a few weeks ago. Um, so he's like a full year younger than Hardy at this point. And he is developing at a pretty rapid pace. I think um, he, the, the scoring is, I, he provides enough rim pressure to me and he's enough of a threat in the mid range with that floater to be somebody that like I said, can be more than just a connecting piece. In my mind, I don't think he's going to be a high-level shooter either, but I think he can be an average catch-and-shoot guy and maybe like a little bit below average on-ball sort of creator for himself. And I think that that's enough to really make him a, worth a bet as a primary guy. Um, I'm sure Bryce will heavily disagree with that, but I think he's scalable from a full-time ball handler to, you know, a, a background fifth option on your offense if you want it. Yeah, I just I just don't see the handle being there to that level at all. Um, he's really stiff and upright, and I just – he does a lot of his damage in the post for, for GLI. I just don't know – like, I, he's not going to get post touches really in the NBA, I don't think. Maybe a little bit but he's not like big and strong. He's just kind of tall and lanky. And I, I, I just, I don't buy like the hand. I just don't buy the handle like that. I just, it, it's not smooth. He doesn't really have a bag. He's not bursty. He's super upright. I just, I, and I don't know if it's low hanging fruit that you can fix, right? Like I'm never going to bet on handle development ever. It'll happen sometimes. And those guys will probably prove me wrong, but I'm never going to bet on it. You know, I was, out on guys like Tyrell Terry because of that reason. I'll say, you know, I've been wrong on some guys where I was out on because of the handle, like Tyrese Halliburton, um, where I think I was very wrong because I thought the handle was too weak for him to be a primary. Um, he still might not be a primary, honestly. He could be a combo connecting card. And Dyson kind of fills that, but I think Halliburton is leagues better as a shooter and, and a, like a solid step ahead of him as a, advantage creating passer Dyson is a good passer he's not like a great passer so I just I, I like I just don't see the handle getting there I don't see him being an all-around scorer I'm with you I like the touch I think he will shoot I I'm not I don't think he's like a non right like he's gonna shoot some he's gonna hit spot ups he's gonna he could even be a really efficient shooter on low volume you know he could be on his Tomas Sadoransky shit whatever but like I don't I just don't see him being like a scorer. That's just not really what I see from him. Even if he's a, if he say he's like 
running your point guard, like he's your point guard on backup units, right? Like, and he's running pick and roll. I don't think he's going to be like surgically dissecting things as a, has a score or like a super high level passer. It's just going to be the obvious simple reads every time. And that's great. That's there's value to that. But I just, I don't see that upside as being that high, if that makes sense. And and I like Daniel. Like I said, I don't hate Daniels. I just, I do see him more in that connecting role than you. Yeah. And I think that's where most see him. So I don't think, you know, that's, that's probably, I'm in the minority here thinking this, but um, I don't see him really as a high level score either. I, I just think that he has enough developable threats to make him a starting guard. Like, I don't, I don't think even in his higher end outcomes, like as a starting point guard, he's going to be a very high volume shooter. Like he's just not, that's just not his game. He's not going to be a guy that puts up a lot of shots really like, unless it's super, super outlier, but it's just not something we see or can predict at this point in time. And I don't see that within his game, but I think he is a good enough ball handler to make it work. And I think I sort of disagree with the burst. I think he's got a fine first step, but I think he has a really strong second and third step. And I do think his frame is pretty strong. Like I think that more shows up on defense, but I think when he's driving, like he doesn't get knocked off course at all. Like he sort of gets where he wants to um, if he's driving and it's not going to be something that his frame is not going to be, I think a detriment to him at all. Um, and like I said, he's developed a lot, I think, as a passer. And I'm sort of betting on that to continue um, because it seemed like to me, at least each game, he was getting more and more frequent in terms of seeing things a step ahead of the defense. Um, and at his age and at the rapid sort of pace that he was developing that at, the being more than just a simplistic passer is something I'm willing to bet on at an NBA level, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think uh, I'm kind of in between you guys. Um, Something that I really liked about Dyson as a driver in primary is that no matter how bad the screens were from the bigs, he was still able to get downhill pretty consistently um, when you have Michael Foster as your your uh, your starting big man, setting a lot of your screens that uh, that you're still able to get downhill to the rim off of, I'm I'm pretty impressed by what you're doing because Michael Foster I don't think made contact on a single screen that I watched him set. Um, I like I wouldn't call the burst incredible. Uh, I didn't super evaluate the the second and third steps like Stone. I'm not a not a master at the burst eval, but I think that. Dyson could fill a really specific niche that's almost what Stone's describing, but not exactly. Um, as, as a Rockets fan, okay, we, we argue a lot about is KPJ the point guard of the future, all this dumb bullshit, um, because point guard isn't a thing, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Everybody complains that KPJ doesn't have the pace, he doesn't have, he, did, he misses a lot of reads, right? He doesn't do a lot of the things that you want a traditional point guard to do. And I think Dyson could fit as like a perfect third guard almost next to Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr. in a starting line, right? And I'm just using this as an example as like, he's almost like a super connector, right? He's like a little bit more, he's a little bit ahead of what you think of as a connector 
like a Tomas Sadoransky, but I don't think that he's a full-time point guard, right? Uh, like he's able to push the pace. You know, he throws incredible outlet passes. He jump starts transition like very few do, especially at six seven. Uh, he's able to run the break. He's able. He makes the correct read and transition consistently. Does a lot of that different kind of stuff. He has really great pace. He knows when to push. He knows when to slow it down. He knows where his guys want the ball. He just knows a lot of stuff like that. And I think, like Stone, what you're talking about, scalability, I think that he can fit next to guys like Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr., who maybe aren't like full-time initiators, but then can also fit next to like a Trey Young, who is a full-time initiator and just needs somebody who can move the ball, attack off of, you know, advantages created for him can also do a little bit of stuff with the bench unit like Bryce is talking about, just make the correct passes. Uh, I just, I don't think that there's a situation in the league that, that he's not going to be able to fit in. And that's really, really valuable. Like he can play with just about every single kind of player and build of player that you could want and do it at a pretty high level. He's not going to be able to just like be a spot up shooter, but if you ask him to do that, then you're a stupid team and a stupid coach. Uh, you know, like, I'll give you that. I, I, I'm with you that I think he is a bet at a 30 team starter here and that has its value. Even if I don't completely agree that he'd be a 30 team starter, because I, again, like, I think he does have to like, he, he has to improve as a shooter, right? Like he's, he has to take some steps as a shooter to be that type of player. Um, but I think that's a good transition to the defense um, because I think that's another, like, he's a really interesting defensive player uh, as well. Stone, I'll, I'll just throw it to you to give us the, the takes on the defense. Yeah. Um, I think this is another area where Dyson's just sort of really malleable and, and versatile on this end. Like he, I think is long and strong enough to guard guards. Um, maybe burstier guards can, can get around him, but I think that, that's something that he can figure out as a point of attack guy. Um, I think he's, he's sort of learning to um, hedge a little bit better and provide different angles and things like that, where if he does get past him, he's, he's sort of funneling towards the quote unquote rim protector on, on the ignite team. Um, he's also like, he's a fantastic post defender. Um, like he's, like against like legit bigs he's he's like altering shots and like uh, like altering sort of how they get to the rim it's really impressive on the wing i think he's really um definitely i think more of a gonna be a better team defender i think than on ball um but i think he's gonna be a strong on ball defender and what i've really liked about dyson since I, i sort of first started watching him in fiba um was the fact that he is maybe the best in this class at timing gambles. Um, and then I, I hesitate to really call them gambles because it's such a high percentage of the time that he comes away with the steal. Um, and he, he just waits until the ball handler is just not really expecting it. And he comes from the side or from behind and he'll just get the ball and turn it the other way. Um, and it's unlike Hardy and not, not to like, you know, paint hardy and like a worse picture than than needed but um sort of unlike that dyson doesn't really make mistakes gambling wise he, he's always 
knows exactly what he wants to do and and comes up with the ball more often than not I think and very rarely does he end up creating advantage for the other team when he when he tries to go for the ball uh, for a steal like Stone talked about probably the one of the things I was most impressed with was how well he guarded bigs um like it was it was incredible incredible stuff um and he also he made solid rotations whenever he wasn't just defending a point of attack, uh, which he wasn't consistently asked to do. Like he wasn't consistently an off-ball defender, but I liked what I saw uh, there. And he just uses his size and his body and he just understands what he's able to do. We've talked about that with guys before, but I think it's just so underrated as a skill is just knowing yourself, knowing what you are able to do and just doing that really, really well. And I think that's Dyson in general, but specifically as a defender, he uses his length, he uses his size, he uses his strength um, and maximizes all of it to be just a very, very effective defender against basically anyone. The one, the one thing I will say um, is he does need better screen navigation. I think uh, he's, he struggles a bit with that. And that's something that I think, um, he, he needs to figure out and work on on that end. I, I, I think he's going to be a really strong defender um, in most cases, but I think that's sort of one area that I noticed he uh, really needs to improve upon. For a six seven, maybe six foot eight person uh, with with sh- with shoulders, I don't think it's bad per se. Right? Uh, it's just not great. The, the, the one final thing too I'll bring up with Dyson uh, is he is like a legitimately strong rebounder. Like he, he goes up for boards and that's honestly like a, a kind of important part of his game because he is such a threat as a grab and go type guy where he gets the board and he immediately sort of sees the outlet pass. Um, it's really evident when he plays with uh, Marjan Beauchamp, which we'll get to in a minute, but he um, when he's running with him and he sees, Marjan sort of already at the half court or the three quarters court on the other end. Um, Dyson starts pushing the pace and, and does that sort of one push ahead pass to get get him the ball. Uh, and it's really actually like beautiful to watch. Um, so that the rebounding is like a legitimate part of Dyson's game that I think is going to be a real positive at the NBA level. Yeah, I, I don't have much to add. I think, yeah, uh, Dyson being the level of defender he is, is what makes me put him a tier above guys I view similarly, like Christian Brown and Wendell Moore, who we talked about last week. Um, I view those guys as very similar offensive players in certain ways, similar offensive value bets, even if they're not necessarily similar players, like in what they actually do. But the Defense with Daniel with Daniels is a step above those guys, and that's what has me view him uh, a, a tier ahead. So, um, you guys at least got that out of me. Um, yes, he is. He is also two years younger. Uh, I think the thing with Daniels is the type of guy who can prove me wrong, right? I, I like he's the type of guy I'm lower on because he's a guard who can't dribble, and I'm always really worried about guys who I don't buy the handle with because. I think handle development is so hard. I think that's the hardest thing to develop in the NBA. I, I bet on someone developing like athlete, like making huge athletic strides over them making handle games consistently because it is so hard to dribble against NBA defenders. It just is. I mean, look at Trey Mann 
what he's done athletically in an NBA system versus like how many guys can you say have really improved their handle? You know, it's, it's very few. It tends to be athletic wings, right? Like that tends to be the archetype that can develop handle. It's athletic wings who are already shifty in one way. It's just, they have it. They, they don't control the ball super well, or they, um, you know, like they don't have a ton of shift in their hips, but they do control the ball well and they can add that, but it doesn't tend to be guards, right? If guards have bad handles, they don't always develop that. Like even Tyrese Halliburton, as good as he is, still doesn't have a great handle. He's just super funky. Like he's just figured it out by just being like doing some weird shit. Like, like he does, he did this thing where he like picked the ball up at the three point line with like a low gather into like a floater at the elbow. Like that's how you compensate for bad handle is just be weird as shit. And it's hard for me to bet on anyone doing that. I don't know if I see that with Daniels, but like I'll say, like, he is the type of guy who could prove me wrong because I'm just generally lower on those guys. But I do see where Stone is coming from by saying there's a lot of latent upside there because he's young with the skill set he already has. So he could prove me very wrong, but there's also a chance he could prove Stone very wrong. And there's even a chance I could be too high on him, having him at like 20 or 25 or whatever I'll end up with him because there's also that chance where he doesn't really develop a shot either. And he just struggles to find a real role offensively. So, but the, the one thing I would add too is even without the handle though, he's still like not a non rim pressure guy. Like he's still getting to the rim. So I, I think that, well, it is obviously not a strength of his, he is sort of funky enough. And I think leverages his size and frame enough to be able to, to make it work enough to be sort of the guy that's not like a, a total non-factor at the rim. So I, I, I'm not going to bet on handle like you, I'm not sort of in that, um, that realm with Dyson. I don't, I don't want to bet with him, you know, being a strong ball handler, but I think he's getting to the rim enough for me to be able to see how it could work in the NBA without a strong handle development. Yeah, I don't. I don't really have a ton else to add. Uh, just other than that, that Bryce betting against a, another a fellow good touch uh, basketball player is really disappointing. Um, you know, as a as a good touch shooter himself, and this is this is really he's just shooting himself in the foot here. <laughs> I'm, I'm proud of Cooper being two for two with me so far, uh, both Sohan and. Dyson now. Um, okay, I, I have my 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 predilection is is much more simple than you guys is. It's funky wings and forwards who are taller than six seven and do things. That's all you have to do. And well, then Dyson I'm, Daniels doesn't fit that. Oh, sorry, he's six six and doesn't do shit. Now, shut up, shut up. Okay, <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Let's move on. That was a good discussion on Daniels. These next three guys should go quite a bit faster, especially the last two. But even Marjon is sort of a simple eval, I think. Uh, so let's talk about Marjon Bochamp. Uh, for one, he fucking rules because he's from the Pacific Northwest. Specifically, he's from Yakima, which is where I'm from. Uh, and I don't think there's ever been an NBA player from Yakima. So I, it, it would be specifically special for me to see him make the league. Like, that's just something that's really cool. You just don't see that very often. Um, so I've played against him. I want to say four times total. Um, and 
every time he absolutely stunted on us, obviously. And uh, so he would be the player I've played against most that has made the league. I've played against some other guys that that will or have made the league, but Marjon is the guy who I've played against the most. Um, he is in my grade, even though he's a whole year older than me. But uh, anyways, um, let's move. Let's let's talk about him as a player, not just me gushing over the PNW and his blood. Um, he is sort of a stereotypical three and D archetype, I think, but with a little more intrigue. Um, as a prospect, he really made his name as a scorer. Um, you, I've heard PD. I think he's tweeted this, but he's definitely told Coop and I. Maybe even on the pod we did with with PD at above the break three, the best follow up draft Twitter. Um, he mentioned like he was at a tournament where Marjon went shot for shot with you and Creed as like a shot maker, like mid range pull ups deep pull-ups, like all that type of stuff. Like Marjon and, and Jalen Green were at like that level together. And, and that's not to say that he is that level of shot maker because Jalen Green is awesome and he's going to be an all-star. But I think there's some more latent stuff like that with Marjon's game. So I want to talk about, let's start with this, with, with sort of what he does on offense, because I think it's really interesting. Uh, Stone mentioned sort of his transition play with Dyson Daniels, I think is an awesome transition player. He's a really good athlete. He's fluid. Um, he's explosive off one or two, but he also runs really well in a straight line and he can shift a little bit. Like he can slow himself down, get into a move and get a defender on their back foot. Like that type of stuff from a six, seven wing with a seven, two wingspan is pretty impressive. Um, the jumper has not been efficient this year. But I think I buy it. One, I've seen it a million times. Like, I think it looks good. I think he can really shoot. Um, and I just think that, you know, the G League is a small enough sample size that there can be these sort of small sample size bets. He hadn't really played against the level of competition like that. Like, he went from playing at a CC to playing against G League competition. So that's a, a hard shift there. And I just think, you know, like, there's some mechanical issues. I think he sways a little bit and uh he he's sort of his long arms kind of get in the way like he has to do kind of a lot and it, it just over elongates the motion in his upper body i think but i think he's going to be a good shooter so coop start all sorts you guys just what what do you think of of barjon as an offensive player uh i really like him um he's people have qualms about the shots i really don't um as like an open catch and shoot guy, I really think he's going to be fine. He has some pull up equity. Like if he's able to get to his spots that he he feels really confident in, I feel like he's just got that in his bag. Um, he he's not someone that's really going to break down a defense by any means. I don't think his handle is very strong, but uh, attacking closeouts or a tilted defense, um, I think he's able to stop really quickly actually and, and pull up for a jumper or get to the rim and finish. Uh, at a fairly decent level. Um, <clears throat> I was actually pretty impressed with his sort of connective passing. Um, he uh, had one, I forget who it was against, but um, I watched so many Ignite games this week, they all run together, but he um, was on the three-point line and he was uh, getting doubled sort of like um, in an L shape on the, the baseline and three-point line, and he was able to do sort of a wraparound pass to Michael Foster in the, the middle underneath the rim. Um, and I think he does, it just sort of like stood out to me that he does have a bit more vision than just like a typical wing. 
Um, he's he's got the ability to not necessarily make complex reads or anything, but make a lot of the right reads. Um, and I think that's really what you want out of a, just a really solid wing. Um, so yeah, I, there's more to Marjan's game than just three and D. And I think obviously that's a label that just gets plastered on anybody that's six foot six to six foot eight. Um, but I think he is a, a pretty simplistic player, but what he does is very effective. So um, I, I really liked what he did offensively. And I think what Marjan is in the G League is pretty much what Marjan is in the NBA. And I think that's valuable in and of itself to just know what you're getting. Um, and what you're getting is just a solid wing on the offensive end. Yeah, Marjan is probably my favorite cutter in the entire class. Maybe not the best, though he may be. He is absolutely my favorite to watch because of his, his skills, as, as specifically on the interior. Um, he's really good at knowing the pace at which he's supposed to cut. He's really good at knowing when to cut quickly and when to cut slowly and just slowly little inches way past his defender. Uh, and he knows exactly where to cut to into the paint to make the pass easier for a driver or somebody from the perimeter to hit him. Um, and where something that he does really well is knowing exactly where to be. So the defense can't get to him super easily. He knows where to be. So the big man can't immediately just turn around and block the shit out of him. Right. Um, and his touch passing stone touched on his interior passing, but like how quickly he's able to make passes, uh, there were a few instances where Dyson would throw him an outlet pass and he would just touch pass to the other person running the floor and it would result in a wide open layup. It's one of my favorite skills in the, in the entire class because he's just so good at it. That's so impressive. And he's so good as an interior passer and as a ball mover um, and just has so much craft as a driver, even when he's not just cutting off ball, when he gets the ball and is asked to, you know, create, off of you know an advantage or just off of a skewed floor he just has so much craft um and he's just also a great close shooter which isn't something that a lot of guys are like he doesn't he takes some floor he doesn't take a ton of floaters he likes to get into almost a pull-up at like five feet from the basket um which is super unorthodox super janky but i love it um and he just is like automatic from that range uh, and from that short mid range, he's just really, really fun, really, really funky. And you know what he's good at, and you know what he needs to improve. Uh, like we talked about, it's super cut and dry, super easy to understand, but it's easy to see where the appeal is with Marshawn Beauchamp. Yeah, you, you mentioned that sort of close shooting. I just think like he's one of the best finishers in this whole class, just everything like dunk finishes, layups. Those pull-ups, when he does take floaters, they look good. I think the touch is great. He can finish with either hand. He's definitely more comfortable with his right, but he can finish with his left, especially if he's, like, on off two feet. He can he can get to that left hand really well. Um, I think that there's some real latent upside here. Too. He, he reminds me a lot of sort of classic false ceiling guys um, because I think that there's real shift in that handle. And when you're 6'7", you play defense the way he does. I buy the shooting like like he does. Like, it's just, I don't know. Like, I, the shift gives him some upside to just attack a, a tilted floor, 
to maybe score in the occasional ISO. I don't think he's going to be running pick and roll. Like his handle's not tight, but he can really dribble. And, and I like his passing too. <laughs> I like his passing too. I think he makes good decisions with the ball and he moves the ball quickly. He's not a ball stopper. When you're going to be this connecting wing, like just catching it and moving it to the next open guy and then moving off the, like he's really good at passing and cutting. Like, I know it's simple. I sound like an AAU coach, but like, he's good at that. Like that's a real skill of his is he makes the pass and he cuts and he gets to the rim. I just, he does just a lot of sort of the garbage, the garbage man type stuff on offense that I really like. And then I think there's some latent upside with the shot making and the handle. So I, I really, really like March on he's, he's the type of guy who I'm just a complete sucker for, for even non PNW reasons. You know, obviously that helps. But even if you took that away from him, he's the type of guy I really like because he feels really safe with that sort of back way entry upside there. He's he's a borderline like like he he's going to end up a lottery guy, but he's I really considered putting him in that tier of Matherin and Davis and Ivy and and Tari Eason and those types of guys like I, I I might even end up with that because I just I really like a lot of the stuff he brings and that's not even getting into the better side of the ball which is his defense Coop is the relative defense guy why don't you give us the the Marjon Bochamp uh defensive breakdown he's not as versatile as like Dyson Daniels but he is still really really solid uh he played a lot more off ball and guarded a lot more of the bigger wings in the G League Ignite um and I was really impressed. He didn't guard a bunch of like, there aren't a bunch of super high level wings and forwards because high level wings and forwards are in the NBA, but he did do a really good job of guarding the guys who are in the G league. Uh, and he, he's kind of a stocks machine. He's actually plays nail defense pretty well. Uh, he digs, he's able to play passing lanes. He doesn't overplay them. Um, as much as a lot of other guys doesn't gamble as much as a lot of other guys, uh, his weak side rim rotations are really, really solid, especially for someone who's only six, six, but his really long arms allow him to be a great shot blocker for a, for a forward, for a wing. Um, and he's able to use his body really, really well around the rim, rotate, get in the way, get in the way, uh, you know, stuff things up, um, just pretty fundamentally solid uh, does a lot of the things that you want him to do uh, without playing outside of himself. Uh, like I said, he's not Dyson, but who is, uh, and you know what you're getting with him. So uh, it's pretty valuable. Yeah. I think Marjan's just like a really, really solid wing defensively. And he's just not going to make mistakes. I think on that end, like that's, probably the biggest sell with him on the defense like you're just not going to see a whole lot of mistakes or him being out of position or gambling when he shouldn't like you just know what you're getting with Marjon. I think on both sides really but especially defensively and you're really happy with that um I think uh like Cooper put in our, our chat like he's he is actually really like a coach's dream like the coach is just going to know that he's super solid when he puts him in for those minutes. Um, and that's pretty much all you can ask for, right? Like he's not going to be creating a ton of advantage advantages, I think, on that end. He's not going to like start a lot of plays, I think, but he's going to be somebody that is doing what 
is asked of him at a really high level um, where he's just a really strong perimeter defender uh, and not letting guys really get past him. I, I, I think he was really good on ball too. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty in on Marjan, I think at this point. Yeah, I'll say I don't think he's like a stopper. Like he's he's not someone who I think you're going to be comfortable putting on the best wings in basketball just because yeah, he's not yeah. strong enough for that. Not yeah. like that's like like as good of a, a defender as Robert Covington in like like he's is he's not a stopper, right? Like he's not someone who you're going to put on LeBron be like we have that taken care of. You know, that's not really Marjan. He's more of a good on-ball defender on the wing who can guard skinnier wings. I think he could probably guard, like, good twos. And then you really like his help stuff. Like, his nail defense, like Coop said, his rotations, he can make plays without over-gambling. Like, he just does a lot that I like there. So, um, I, I think that's about – is that about it that we have on Marjan? I, again, like, I know this went quick. I really love him but I, I don't have like a ton to say on him. That's like, a, like, uh, you know, I could break down the jumper mechanics, but there's, like I said, there's not like a ton there. So do we have anything else on Marjon? He's very funky. He's yes. And he's very fun. Um, yeah. He's fun. And I like him a lot. And he's, he seems like a very safe lottery bet for the right team. Like teams that have sort of like core pieces and are just looking to build around that. Like Marjon is a great guy. Like I think Marjon would be great on the Rockets, right? Like, cause he's a real three. He, he there's just not a lot of real threes in the NBA league. rotation players would be good on the Houston yes. Rockets. Next yeah, year. no kidding, no kidding. But like, you know, like in our last mock draft, like he went to the Thunder, and I was like, you know, like it's about time the Thunder start drafting like real NBA players, and that's Marjon to a T. He's just he's just an NBA player. You watch him and that's your takeaway. So um, let's move on, I think, to someone who is who's probably not an NBA player. <laughs> um, and that's Michael Foster. I don't want to we'll, we'll be brief here. I don't want to say too much. I just know some people do like him. Um, I just don't think Michael Foster really, really does anything at an NBA level. He's an all right athlete for his strength level, but not great. He's not a great vertical athlete. He's not super bursty. The jumper's not good, and he's almost too comfortable taking it. Um, and he has these flashes as a passer, but they're all when he's standing still and looking at the court completely, like, open, looking to pass. And then as soon as he puts the ball on the ground, head goes down, and he's not looking to pass anymore. Uh, not a good finisher. And then he's just a really, really bad defender, like maybe the worst defender um, I've ever evaluated. Uh, just... I, ha- I don't have anything positive to say about his defense. Uh, is there anything else you guys want to add on Michael Foster? Um, <clears throat> you know, I think the flashes are really nice. Um, I think that's what a lot of people are seeing that are in on Foster are seeing. The problem is there's just like the absolute lowest of low lights. And there's so many of them in between those flashes that it's extremely difficult for me to buy any of the the good rare things that he does on the court um you know i wish michael foster nothing but the best i hope that um he is able to you know play basketball for for a career and and make the most of it but uh unfortunately i just personally don't see it ever happening at an nba level i just i don't think he's an nba prospect 
Uh, one last note to add to that, I echo everything y'all had to say, um, is that there's an unusual number of, because I don't listen to the games with the sound on. Uh, so there's an unusual number of notes where I go, oh, he did something cool. And then it's like, oh no, he traveled. Or, oh no, the clock ran out and expired. Um, and like, there's like four or five of those notes uh, here on my page. And, you know, I, I, I echo what Stone says. I hope he's able to find success. Um, but I, I don't think that I would have him as anywhere near draftable this year. Um, all respect intended. If I'm being honest, I don't think I'll end up with Foster in my top 200 for what that's worth. So uh, moving on to uh, the last guy we're going to talk about, that's Fanbo Zhang. Again, this should go quickly. Um, I'm not sure he's ready for the league yet. And I, I did it. I feel like the G League night maybe was not the move for him. He was originally, I believe, committed to Gonzaga or Gonzaga was in the running at the very least. I think that probably would have been the better move uh, because he'd be their starting center next year with Timmy and Shep both leaving and a huge hole being left in Gonzaga's front court rotation. Um, but I, there's some stuff to like there. I like the movement skills a lot. He is like 6'10", 6'11", and he moves really well. He's fluid. He He's good laterally. He's good in a straight line. He's bouncy. Um I think the shot can be okay. I think he can probably shoot. I like the defensive rotations. It's just, he's, he's just raw. And there's just, I don't know that the upside is enough. Like there's some like guys who are raw that I'm really into, right? Like Poku. I was super high on. I'm still high on. I still believe in Poku being a good NBA player. Uh, even if I was probably too high on him. Uh, but Fambo is not really that guy because his, his highlights aren't like incredible passes or, an impressive handle. It's just like, if he can shoot and move, he's like a solid backup center bet. So I, I, I don't know. I guess that's where I'm at. I, I like him. I think I'd probably give him a two-way for what that's worth. Uh, do you guys have any fan saying thoughts? Um, I do like Fanbo for sort of where the most people fall on him. Like, I think he has, if he can really shoot, that's like a draftable guy in my opinion he moves really well uh i think and i think he's able to what really stood out to me earlier in the season and then i remember and then i watched him you know throughout the rest of these games is he does read the defensive side of the ball like really well i think it's just a matter of him not necessarily always being athletic enough to make the right plays or impactful enough plays but um, I think there is a world where Fanbo is like a rotation player. Um, it's just maybe not super clear for everybody at this point, but if he can be just a straight shooter and a guy who moves well defensively and sort of knows where to be and doesn't give up a ton on that end uh, and create advantages for the other team, I think Fanbo is a guy worth giving a two-way to. So. Um, for whatever that's worth, <laughs> uh, I, I do think Fanbo is um, just an interesting guy to keep an eye on. Yeah, I just I really like Fanbo as a smart energy four or five who's constantly running the floor, constantly getting back, uh, just full effort at all times. Uh, he just fully hasn't put it all together. 
um, messes up a lot of the smaller stuff. Uh, but I think that that's something that give him another year. Like I, I would probably take him in the second because he's massive and solidly athletic and super high motor. And I think that there's a place for a guy like that developmentally on a roster somewhere. Um, but I think after another year, he's going to come back out and maybe a year or two be solidly draftable, uh, be somebody that, you know, teams are going to give a real look to. Yeah, I'd love to see him back on the G League night if he could just be like the five, like just let him and Scoop be your one five pick and roll duo. I'm like, I'm, I'm guessing the G League night gets Amani as well. Have Amani spacing on the wing. I like if if I could see like Fambo's that type of guy where like I just want to see him do it. Like if he could just be if he's just like a really functional role man, then he is draftable for me because then that's something he can do on top of the mobility and feel upside that I feel like is there. But right now he's just the mobility and feel upside, not a ton else. So I wouldn't draft him, but I would. You know, like like Stone and I said, like two way, like he's definitely a two way guy because he's big and he moves, and hell, any like in this class, a lot of the two way guys might end up draftable for me. So, uh, though he won't because the way I set up my draft board doesn't look like that. But anyways, it's not a big. I'm not gonna get too deep into it. Let's move on. That was a great discussion on all the two way night guys. Uh, we're gonna do tail the tape. Um, I'll go first. I have two guys. Uh, the first is simple. It's Scoot Scoot Henderson. Uh, he fucking rocks um, him and Wemby fighting for the number one pick on my board next year. is going to be such a blast. Uh, I can't wait because um, Scoot is so fun. He's the, he's the more like traditional, like obvious sort of what his NBA role is. Um, and he's so good at it. He's, he's very jaw-esque if jaw, instead of being a tiny, like skinny twink was like, a huge fucking roid head like like because scoot is that type of athlete that type of passer with that handle who's also like a monster physically strength wise like he is so fun he throws down so many insane dunks he he makes some really nice passes and i think he can shoot too like the jumper development has been awesome I, 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 I'm not going to go too deep into scoop, but like he is legit and watching him on the G league night next year is going to be really fun because he was the best player on this team this year. And he was a year, at least a year younger than everyone else. Uh, and the other guy I want to talk about really fast is just Jamal Bienemy. Um He is someone who I did. I'm doing these, these series on Twitter where I'm, you know, I, last year I put out this giant board and everyone's like, like, they're like, oh, that's cool, but, you know, like, how important is your opinion on all these guys? And I thought it was a, – it's a valuable exercise to go through these guys that make up, you know, 112 to 200 on my board or whatever and just give you, like, a look at what I'm seeing with them, what makes them worth ranking in different spots. So Jamal Bienemy was one of those guys I did that with, and he is my second favorite of the guys I've done so far, but – not my second, he's my favorite that I've done, but he's the second guy I would have on my board. He, he right now is at the top of my, my first like undrafted give a two way tier. He's just a, he's six, five, he's a wing, but he played as a point guard at UTEP. Um, he can really pass. He can dribble a little bit. The shot looks okay. Like there's just a lot to work with there. He is older, but I, he's a bet I like to make it as with a two way with an, as an undrafted guy, undrafted guy, Reminds me a little bit of like a Broderick Thomas 
Um, so I, I don't know. I like the enemy. And then, uh, you know, if you guys want to want to see where, what I'm doing with that series, go check it out. Uh, I, I, I think it's a good practice. I've done RJ Cole, Jamal B. Enemy, Drake Jeffrey so far. I think that's the only three. I might be missing one, but I, I'm going to do more and more. I'm hoping to get about three, four out of with that series. So that's where I'm at. Uh, Coop Stone, whoever wants to go next. I know you guys both have a couple guys. Stone, you want to take it? Or am I? Okay, I'll go since you pointed at me. Uh, so we'll, we'll sandwich. Uh, we'll start with Jacob Evans, uh, the third. Someone who is like, what, four years out of his draft year uh, or five years or something like that. Uh, but is someone who I was completely obsessed with back in the year of our Lord 2018 um, because he was kind of athletic, showed some promise, um, you know, did a little bit of stuff on that Warriors team. But uh, there were a lot of bad players on that Warriors team, surprisingly. Uh, but I really liked him for the Santa Cruz Warriors team. Uh, he locked up just about everybody on the Ignite roster at some point uh, in their games with uh, in those games where they played each other, um, switched, played different guys pretty well, uh, had some really, really interesting passing flashes where he'd make like an off ball movement on offense and then grab the ball and make a really quick, precise, well-timed pass that I thought was really, really nice. And then he has really good touch on layups, pretty solid cutter, great transition player. Uh, just someone who I think should be on the back end of some playoff team's roster um, because why are you holding on to DeAndre Jordan when you could have somebody who might actually do something for you um, in a playoff series if you need two minutes of action for your starter rest and not you know have your team get completely killed. Uh, on the opposite end, there is the... Definitely not 6'1 King, Frankie Ferrari, uh, who is officially listed at 6'1, but uh, is, you know, going to make a little bit of a car joke here, but Frankie Ferrari is the engine of the Santa Cruz Warriors offense. Uh, he really makes it run. Uh, he runs the floor really well. He's super crafty. Uh, basically, like the perfect, probably 5'9", in all honesty, he is really short guard um on offense he runs the floor well he's constantly moving <laughs> he he gasses up that team thank you stone um just this little short white dude that plays the point and is yeah, just super super interesting uh very very fun <laughs> he applies the brakes well uh and then we're going to talk about rockets legend mason jones uh oh okay frankie ferrari he go fast good thank you bryce you're very very eloquent um getting all the card jokes out here today um now back to mason jones uh playing for the the south bay lakers uh, the shot creation is just awesome um it always was uh when he played for the rockets he just this is gonna sound kind of copey but he didn't go to the g league bubble last year because he was one of our like four players that wasn't injured or out with COVID for a while. And then once everyone got healthy, they kept him around because of the injury trouble. And he didn't really go, he didn't go to the G league at all when he should have, he should have played in the G league bubble. Um, and then his confidence completely tanked and then they cut him from the roster giant mistake because he is an absolute monster on the offensive end can shoot the ball, can create. He has the weirdest creation style that's mostly strength 
and a lot of craft and it somehow works. Um, not the best defender, but boy, can he just light it up? Um, super efficient scorer has just killed it uh, for the Lakers this year. And then saving the best for last, the G League MVP, Treveling Queen, uh, just an incredible, incredible player who would be starting on the Houston Rockets right now, uh, would have started tonight against the Raptors and probably won that game. And that's probably why he's in the G League, <laughs> in all honesty. But uh, just an incredible cutter, incredible shooter, great off-ball player, can handle the ball, can lock up one through three. Um, just an absolute menace. Uh, it's nothing Treveling Queen can't do. And he should be an NBA player. Um, and he will be soon. I guarantee it. I love Treveling Queen for what it's I had him top 45 in his class, I believe. Just a huge, huge fan. I think he he belongs in the league. Um, and then Frankie Ferrari was gonna be my guy. I mean, I he so he played for Kyle Smith at San Francisco, who Kyle Smith is WSU's head coach. So uh good place in my heart. And he is, yeah, he is not six one. I'm six one. He's probably about the height of my boy Alex. Alex, if you're listening. Frankie Ferrari can do it, so can you. Uh, <laughs> Stone, do you want to go ahead? Yeah, um, <laughs> I love the card jokes. Uh, if I, I was told Andre Ingram is not allowed, so I'm going to skip the 37-year-old with high potential. Um, but Justin Tillman uh, was somebody that really impressed me uh, when I was watching the G League film. Uh, he's... I mean, he, he's just like a beast. He, he's a bowling ball and he just gets to his spots and does pretty much whatever he wants. Um, I wish the frequency of outside shooting was a little bit higher. Uh, but, you know, as sort of just an undersized big, he really caught my attention. Um, defensively, I, I thought he was pretty solid too. Uh, and then obvi- obviously uh, Sharif Cooper, his teammate was um, – He's just lighting it up in the G League, honestly. Uh, I had him top 10 um, in his draft, and I think, honestly, I would probably stay around that range um, just from what he's been doing. Uh, the, the reason I think a lot of people were hesitant and the reason I didn't even have him higher on my board was the shooting, um, and it still looks absolutely disgusting, but it's going in at a much better rate. Um, he's shooting like 37% on a pretty good volume. So uh, I think like four and a half attempts a game. So um, he's been really impressive and he's done pretty much everything that those of us who like Sharif Cooper was doing at the collegiate level. He's doing it in the G league. So at a probably even better level of competition. Um, And if he were to, I I think there's still a real opportunity for him to be um, a really, really good NBA player. So um, I've been really happy uh, to see that his production has continued in the G League and the shooting has improved. So hopefully um, you know, he gets a chance uh, coming up here soon. Yeah, I'm still uh, I'm still sad he's on the Hawks. He, he should have had a first round pick. Like that's still just like one of the most ludicrous falls to me is it's like you might, I, I'm still just a little shooketh by it, but that's OK. Um, that's all right. You know, I guess the Grizzlies really needed Santi Aldama or whatever. So, uh, anyways, anyways, that'll that'll be it for this. This has been awesome, guys. Uh, of course, 
uh, at Ali underscore oop underscore coop and at report underscore court. You guys killed it as always. Uh, we will be back in about a week. Um, and uh, we will be talking about as declarations come out. I think next week, I think, I think next week it's time to talk about Ty Ty Kennedy Chandler and Jan Montero. I think that's, I think that's what we should do. Um, we're not, so yeah, we're gonna talk about Josh Minot and Marcus Sasser and Kyler Edwards and Tajay Moore and still waiting on some of those guys to sign <laughs> with agents. Yeah, we'll see about Sasser, uh, but um. Yeah, I hope Sasser I mean, doesn't leave just because I want Houston to win it all next year. But we'll see. Well, I, it, it'll be bittersweet. If he goes to the league, I'll be happy because he's going to fucking destroy. He'll be a first-round pick on my board. He'll be a first-round pick. Oh, on he's my board. probably like just not accounting for potential, probably the, the best point guard in the draft. Um, so, I mean, we'll see. We but will see. I'd love for him to return. We will see. Uh, all right, guys, this has been awesome. Follow us on TikTok and on Twitter at Upside Swings um yeah feel free to give us a rating review all that good stuff this has been the upside swings to be a draft podcast we hope we hit our ceiling thank you we'd like to thank our sponsors once again at global shop solutions simplify your manufacturing by scheduling a demo at globalshopsolutions.com thank you <laughs>